today uh, to prepare ourselves to our prayer and fasting, we are going to be talking about prayers. And we call this two, next two, two weeks on prayology. Okay? I don't think this is actually a word. Um, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. I didn't come up with it. You know, we have some geniuses in our church that comes up with a lot of these things. So thank them more than anything. But for me, you know, English, the, 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 the form of English, you know, the, 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 the sacredness of the language, you know, creating a new word is, it, it pierced my side a little bit. Just throwing it out there, just, 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 I know it's not, not that serious, but, you know, it bothers me a little bit because the language, the words, the meaning, okay, here we go. All right. That's beside the point. But we are going to talk about today prayers. So we're going to talk about the prayers today. So we're going to go to the Gospel of Luke this morning. So open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, I know some of you, the few of you, they actually have a paper Bible. Bless you. Bless you. If you do not, it's okay. They, we're going to have a scripture on the screen behind me. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 11. And hear what the word of the Lord says in verse 1. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. What's the purpose of the blueprint? Why do we follow instruction? I don't know about you, but if you buy a furniture from Ikea, you better follow that instruction. You better follow that blueprint, and here is why. As amazing and how cheap they make these things, so you have to actually put it together, if you miss one part, just one little part, it will ruin your entire creation. Am I the only one that actually had that experience? We all experience. If you're Ikea, but Pastor Chris hates Ikea, by the way. <laughs> I don't mind because, you know, I grew up building things, so it's not that complicated to me. If you ask me, I think it's a pretty easy thing to do because just follow the instructions. Find the right pieces and follow along. One, A, B, this screw with this screw. Don't use a different screw for this one because you think you're genius and you're going to use a different screw. And then next thing you know, you don't have a screw left at the end that will put it all together. And then you are a failure. You, you, you feel like you have not accomplished anything. You have wasted two hours of your life building nothing. There is a need 
to follow through on the blueprint. And when the creator or create, creators actually make a certain thing, the materials or the furniture, whatever it may be, there's a reason why they have created the blueprint so that it comes as it was shown. Yes? It seems to me that sometimes we look elsewhere or to even create our own blueprint in spirituality. Walk with God. And today, we will, I will also add, because today's topic is prayer, we sometimes, I believe, create our own way, even though the blueprint, the ways, the instruction, the manual has been given to you and me. Not any other than the Savior of the world himself. I believe that the Lord's Prayer, premise of this message is, I believe the Lord's Prayer is the blueprint. I believe there are a great way to pray, but I believe that this is the way the disciples of Christ were meant to pray. And there is a great blessing of the Lord's Prayer. And we will discover just a few things today. How blessing it is to be able to not only pray this prayer, but comprehend and apprehend the things that are in every single word that Jesus said. It will make a huge difference. If you don't know how to pray, if you are a, a very new to prayer, if you are just, if you, whether you are seasoned prayer or you are just beginning your journey with the Lord and you want to learn how to pray, I can guarantee it, if you follow this model, I believe that you can be successful prayer warriors. I do. Think about it this way. If you go to a Christian bookstore today, there are literally hundreds of books on prayer. Is that not? And now, I am not saying technically that these books are bad. I believe there are some great literatures, books on prayer. There's one book I highly recommend. It is by Necessity of Prayer by E.M. Bounds. Brilliant book. One of the best prayer books there is. But even then... Doesn't matter how much information that he wants to give to you and me, I feel and I sense that the blueprint is just right there. And if we're willing to search and understand the depth of these words, and that's going to be our attempt today. The Lord's Prayer, this specific prayer, it's mentioned in two Gospels, Gospel of Matthew and Gospel of Luke that we read today. It is part of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. 
alongside with the amazing teaching of Jesus, the prayer is also included. And so we know that this specific teaching was for the disciples, for those who proclaimed the name or the followers of Jesus were taught to pray a specific way. And here's a really interesting part. The Lord's Prayer recited since the inception, prayed by the disciples, studied by the giants in the church history, taught as a blueprint for the Christian prayer. It is the distinctive way the Christians pray. And it is before us. The first part of this prayer is your vertical relationship with God. The part that we're going to tackle today is the vertical relationship. Next week, Pastor Chris will touch on the horizontal relationship. But I will say this morning, There is no horizontal relationship without the vertical relationship. You will not be able to do the second part without the first. There is no other way around. You cannot forgive without first understanding what forgiveness truly means. You see what I'm saying? You have to grasp the importance of our relationship with God that affects everything that we do here on earth. So let's go to the text, shall we? Now, it came to pass as he was praying. We find Jesus praying all the time, okay? We see him praying. We see him having a long day of ministry. Please, you know, I I guarantee you, ministry is hard, okay? There's some joyous moments, but sometimes it can be hard. But if you look at, if you read the Gospel of Mark specifically, I love Gospel of Mark because it actually gives you an entire day of Jesus' ministry. And it's nonstop. I mean, it is nonstop. There are people everywhere, always crying out, Son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> people want to get healed, the sick and the, the lepers and all this, a demon possessed, and they're just rushing. And after a certain time, you are going to be tired. This is a long day. Ministry, full day. And then at the end of the day, where do we find our Lord? At the secluded place, at the deserted place, all alone, praying. We see Jesus praying all the time. And we also know this, that Jesus would not do anything without Father's will. This is the perfect picture of the believer, how we're supposed to walk here on earth, that we're not just doing things just to do things, but we are so in tune with the Father, we are so into His will and His purpose on earth that we do what is pleasing to Him in His sight. That requires your personal walk. Yes, your personal walk do matter to God. How you live matter to God. If you never heard that before, I will be the first one to tell you. He cares about you. He cares about what you believe. He cares about what you act. He cares about how you treat people. He cares about how you treat your coworkers. 
your teammates, your students, your, your friends, whoever it may be, God does care about every action of your life. But if it just comes from just my well-being, because of I am great, because I am sophisticated gentlemen that know how to act, it's not enough. Is it your life based on the Word of God, things of God, and it's in the heart of God? Are we living this obedience to God life, the exact thing our Christ has modeled for us? He was praying. Shall we also be a people of prayer? When he sees that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Isn't it interesting that the entire gospel, you do not find the disciples coming to him and asking to teach them something. Homework. Go ahead and check for yourself. If there's any other moment but this specific moment that disciples genuinely ask Jesus to teach them. Prayer is hard. I don't know when I first came to know Christ and when I come to things and start coming to Bible studies and, and I see people praying. I don't know what I was doing. My prayer was like two words or three words, very short. But after a while, I start to hear others pray. I'm going a little bit of side note here. How did you learn how to pray? By listening, hearing. Prayer has to be taught. Prayer is not just boom, light bulb comes on, prayer warrior. In the name of Jesus, start tearing and crying out for one hour straight. Never. Never. It usually is slow, understanding how to pray, what to pray for, what language, in whose name, which is all important. And if we're just praying for your needs, you missed the point. Prayer is about God. Emphasis is about Him. We are part of his plan, but the main emphasis of a prayer has to be God. And that's what we see in the Lord's Prayer. It begins that way too. In the time of Christ, we believe, a lot of the scholars and theologians believe, that even the Jewish culture, there is a very specific, distinctive way to pray within the group. So for example, a specific scripture that we read today, John the apostle, not Apostle John, but John the Baptist was teaching his disciples how to pray. There's a distinctive nature. This is defining who they are. So other rabbis of old, even today, there is different schools of thoughts. If you think about the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, they're teaching their uh, disciples to pray a certain way, and that set them apart to be that specific group. And so whenever you hear a certain group praying a certain way, you say, oh, that is part of that group. Oh, that is part of that group. It's very distinctive, but people know that who you belong to. 
The prayer is not a just that you think that you confess, but it also involves your identity. Who are you with? Who do you serve? What part of the kingdom are you belong to? And so, disciples ask, teach us to pray. And the foundation to prayer is the first word, our Father. And what does it mean, our Father? I believe that we can spend our entire day talking about our Father. Whose Father are you talking about? What are we talking about here? When we say our Father, do we fully grasp the meaning? Do we understand who we are praying to? Do we understand who this God is? I think those are all important. And Jesus, not missing a beat, automatically focused on our Father, the Father God. This is how he prayed. Think about it that way. How he prayed. Shall we not pray like our Savior? You know, Father is mentioned many times in the Scripture, but in the Old Testament, it's mentioned 16 times. You can actually go and search for yourself. 16 times, God is referred as Father or Father God. The word that was used is, is not personal, but it's very impersonal, like how uh, the group will refer to God, like the Israel is a father, like the father, is, the father God is father to Israel. It's not a personal, but it's impersonal, that makes sense. And that's how the Old Testament used the father, the terminology father. And they did not call God father. This was a revolutionary concept, even for Jews at that time. They will use the words such as Elohim, which is the creator God. And we see that in Genesis and all throughout. Every time there's a creation, the term Elohim is used. How about this one? The covenant God or Yahweh or Yehovah or Adonai, which was word that was used to refer to God. Very specific way. But there is one more word that we need to address, which is a word, Abba. Father. Our father in Hebrew will be Abinu. It's interesting that it does not start with father. It starts with our father. It automatically sets us apart to be this relational, communal aspect of our relationship. It's not just Jesus' father, but it's our father. Do you understand? Our father. The same God, the same father God. We get to be part of that family. And that's who we are. You and I, may we differ in color of our skins. We may differ in our intellectual. We may differ in socioeconomic status. We may differ from many things, but there's one thing in common that all of us have is that we have a same father. Do you understand what that means? 
That means we are family. That means I can call you my brother. I can call you my sister, my mother, my father. You are one. We are one. There is no separation. We are all one in Christ. And that's the great news. And that's how he begins the prayer. It is as if Jesus is saying, I want you to know this Father. I want you to have this same relationship that I have with the Father. And you have the same relationship. The question, though, that I want to ask to all of you this morning, is God a dearest Father, which is what Abba means, dearest Father? Or is he a distant father? I'll say this again. Do you treat God as he is a dearest father that you spend time with, that you listen to, that you get to know in his word, in a prayer, wherever your spiritual discipline might be, are you pursuing God? Daily, in depth, in relationship, or is he a distant father that stays far, far away? But once in a while, you'll go up to him and say, Dad, I need something. Oh, I need some of these things. You love me, you need to give this thing to me. How do we treat God? Does matter. This father should be honored and revered upon. That we should be spending time, much time with, in order that we get to know this father. I believe, brothers and sisters, that God wants to reveal himself in an exponential, in a greater way to you. But it is us. It is us. It's not him. I believe that his floodgates are open. And I know, I know why. I, I know the, that, that, that is true. That is the case. Why? Because he sent his only son to die on the cross so that you and I can have this relationship. This vertical relationship is not possible without Christ. But Christ has made the way for you and me. To have this relationship, is that our ultimate priority here on earth, right now? Or is it something that you do time to time? Is a spirituality something that you try when you need something? Or is this something that you do every day? I cannot emphasize it enough. The depth of knowledge of God, the responsibilities in your hand. It's not Sunday only either. Don't expect to come to the church to somehow be fed and go in the week without God. I mean, we want to. We want. When you come here, we want you to be encouraged. We want you to be inspired. We want you to know this word. We, when we preach the word, we preach it passionately because we believe that this word is true. It is true. 
and we want you to have it all. But thing is, whether I preach amazing, Pastor Chris, preach this amazing sermon or not, ultimately it is you have to go and take this message to whether personal life and meditate upon, chew on it, spend more time in the Word to understand who this truly God is, the more the depth and the height, length, and width of this amazing God. I'm running out of time here. So. It's so important for us. It's so important to we grasp what this mean? What does this mean to have a relationship with God? The Father God of heaven, the creator of the universe, wants to have a relationship with me? Relationship with you? What an honor. What an honor. Let us spend time with him. Hallow be your name. Hallow be your name. I would say the word hallowed is an interesting word, but in Hebrew word, uh, the closest that uh, hallowed is in Hebrew is kodesh or kadosh, uh, which means holy. And, and this specific word was used to, to it's the attributes of God. It's like a character of God. It's who he is. Hallow. And so when we hallow his name, what we're saying is, Lord, you are holy. Father God, who is in heaven, you are holy. I know who you are. You are the Father God of heaven that deserve all of our praise, all of our honor, because you are holy. Hallow be your name. J.I. Pecker, theologian, said these things. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than old, everything that is distinctly Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up on the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. You compare Christianity to the religions of this world, this distant, far away figurehead of God that you can never reach. Every religion of this world. You give me a religion, and all the religion will say, if you do these kind of things, these things, you may reach the southern state. You may get to that Godhead. Christianity comes along. Christ comes along. That's no. It's nothing that you can possibly do to go to God because you are unholy. You are unrighteous. 
you are depraved in sin. You are full of sin. You cannot even approach God. Why? Hallowed. Because he's holy. And because he's absolutely perfection of holiness, you cannot reach God. But what does Christianity is? What Christianity say? It's because what Christ has done on the cross through the sacrificial atonement, that means he was a perfect sacrifice. Perfect. Flawless. Only sacrifice that were able to meet the criteria of atonement. You cannot atone yourself. Only Christ can. And Christ has made that way. If you look into a John 3.16, everybody can call John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. It is God in his love sent his son into the world that died for us in order that you and I can have a relationship with the father. And that's why fatherhood is so critical. In John 1.12, I'm giving our, um, our screen for some hard time. I'm jumping back and forth. Sorry. John 1.12. But as many as received him, that's you and me, if we believe in the name, believe in Christ, as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Say, the right. The right. To become children of God. It is your right. When you place your faith in Christ, you are no longer belong to this world. But you are children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And praise God for making the way. Ephesians 2 Verse 4, said it this way. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us, raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourself it is the gift of God. Not of your works, not of the works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's our Father. He deserves our praise for making the way, for making the way. Your kingdom come. We still haven't got to I yet. You still haven't got to yourself yet, isn't it? We're still talking about God. Now we're talking about his kingdom. Your kingdom come. The realm in which a king sovereignly 
rules. Now, you may be wondering, how does this kingdom of God works? And there is a saying in theologians and scholars call it this way, already but not yet. Already but not yet. Already the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because Jesus has come to die for our sins, restore us in order that we may have a relationship with God. Correct? Not yet is the second coming of Christ, ushering in the kingdom of God here on earth forever, in eternity, where God will judge the living and the dead. And so right now we're in a phase of the already, but not yet. It's coming. What will we do in this period of time where it is already and not yet? Bring his kingdom here on earth. That means you. You see, again, again, I said this earlier. To serve God means action. Kingdom of God, the same. You see, wherever you are, wherever you work, wherever you go, you bring the kingdom with you. Wherever you go, whether it's your work, place, where it would be some random Starbucks that you go to and get some coffee, that Brista, having a bad day, need the kingdom of God too. How about the neighbors? They need a kingdom too. You are the agent. You are the ambassador of the kingdom of God. And you as an ambassador is to bring the message of the kingdom to the world. That is core labor. It's a mystery. Why can God just do everything? He didn't do it that way. He left that responsibility to you and me and the church. Christ's church doesn't exist to just have a Sunday service. Christ's church, our church exists not only to just be ourselves, but we need to go outside of this wall. We need to be the salt and light to the world. Kingdom of God with you. But do you take it with you? Because it's already here. And your will be done. Referring to God's preferred will. It's not your will, like our will but His will. What does God want? I don't know about you, but as a child, as a son, I want to please my father. As a daughter, I'm pretty sure you guys are the same. You want to please the father. You want to. There is a longing in our heart that somehow we want to please God. You want to do everything you can that will please God, yes? What are those? It is only possible if we spend time with the Father. That's when we discover His will. Without spending time with God, it's kind of like having a relationship. If you want to have a relationship with somebody that you want to maybe marry, if you're single, you want to get married, and you got to know a certain person, right? You're dating or you are courting or whatever. 
you want to know about that person. And the more you learn, the better, correct? Even though you just wait until you get married because you will see the side that you've never seen before. <laughs> but that's just the reality. Not, it's not all bad. Don't take, don't take it the wrong way. You know, okay? There's a good things that comes to there's a thing that my wife does that I still discover amazing. The things that are beautiful, things that are good. You discover those things, and when you discover what they are, you want to. You want to do it, no? If you truly care about that person that you love and you dear, you will do anything for that person. And you, you will go out of your way to make that possible. If that's the case, are we going to do that with God too? I think we should. I think there's a way that we can please God. Are we doing that? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know one will, God, that he loves. And that's a miracle that I would like to talk about. And that miracle is that sons and daughters that were not part of the kingdom, that were distant away, that were lost, that find their way to God. I know for a fact that heavens rejoice for a one sinner comes to repentance. That pleases God. Then shall we not be involved in that part of the plan by sharing the good news? Because that's what you have, friends. You have a good news that God in His goodness, in His right time, have brought this message into your life, not so that you can just enjoy your life, but so that you may share that same life with the others that don't know Him. He is pleased. It is so thrilling to sense the pleasing, the pleasure of God when one sinner comes to repentance. The beautiful picture. So before I land this plane, I want to share just four more things. Four essential to prayer, I call it. Essential to prayer, number one, is the fatherhood of God. As we discussed quite a lot today, you have to understand the fatherhood of God in your prayers. Who are you praying to? Who are you trying to please? Who are you trying to lift up, worship, Father, God of heaven? Second essential to prayer is the Trinity, the whole aspect of Trinity. The prayer is not possible without understanding Trinity. Trinity means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's this perfect dance, this perfect union. When you are praying to God, you are able to pray to God because what Christ has done on the cross. And now you're not just praying alone as an orphan, just praying whatever. You are praying with the Spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit. Trinity. Prayer is tri Trinitarian. You have to understand the distinctive nature of each offices. The more you understand this, your prayer life will completely change. Number three, obedience. Essential to prayer, obedience. And here's the thing. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done requires our obedience to God's will and plan. Let your kingdom come 
let your will be done was tested even for our Savior. At the Garden of Gethsemane, remove this cup from me. I don't want to do it. If there's any other way, God, please. Is there any other way? Please remove this cup. But not my will and your will be done. And we see our Savior submit to God's divine plan of salvation. And because one righteous, obedient act of our Savior, you and I can have a relationship with God. Obedience. And finally, discipleship. Essential to prayer discipleship. Disciples asked, and Jesus taught the model. You and I must learn how to pray. And if you don't know how to pray, you have a many opportunity in our church. Obviously, we would love for you to join us for our prayer and fasting. Well, you will see and hear other saints pray in this setting. And you get to pray with others one-to-one. -one. We are going, I want our church to be a praying church. I want our church to the church, that church that cry out to God. I want our church to gather corporately regularly to cry out and understand His will and bring forth the salvation that He wants to the city. I want our church to be praying church. And it starts here. Let me end with a statement. Ken Hughes said this way, Jesus transformed the relationship with God from a distant corporate experience into an intimate one-to-one -one bond. And he taught his disciples to pray with the same intimacy. This is to be the foundational awareness of all of our prayers. Does this awareness fuel our prayer life? Is a sense of God's intimate fatherhood profound and growing in our soul. My prayer for you this morning is that God will stir and churn in your soul today to long to have a relationship with the Father like never before. That in 2023, from years from now, that you will be able to look back to 2023 and say, I understand the fatherhood of God. My prayer for you. Let us pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. Gracious God, loving Father who longs to have a relationship with his children. I thank you Jesus for making the relationship with God possible and the Holy Spirit is reminding us today how important this relationship is I pray for everyone here that as they go today that they will deepen their relationship with their Father God of Heaven that they will know you 
they will understand the depth of your will. I ask you to be good to them in 2020-23. That Lord, they will know you. They will be intimate. They will hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.